Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see y'all. Good to see you. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we are so pumped that you are here. You are our special guest today, and we pray that you feel welcome. Uh, we also want to let you know that in the back of the seat in front of you is a card that looks like this, what we call our Connect card. Um, should be a little pencil there as well. If this is your first time worshiping with us, grab that card and um, uh, fill it out because we've got a special gift for you today. We, we've got a, we've got an East T-shirt that we want to give to you today just to thank you for being here. And if you would uh, fill that out in our Next Steps banner out in the lobby, there's a big banner that says Next Steps. Stop by one of those two kiosks there and uh, give them that card with as much information on it as you feel comfortable with. And they'll give you your gift today, and then we'll follow up with you this week and uh, see if there's any other ways that we can pray for you. Uh, if you're watching online, if this is your first time with us, the easiest place to find that, you can find our Connect card. Actually, if you're watching on Facebook, under the description there, uh, you can find that. But you can also find it by texting East Connect to 31996. Um, that online Connect card and this Connect card, guys, is also a great opportunity for you to make any, uh, let us know about decisions that you're making in your life. There's decisions on the back of the card that you can let us know about. And also there's a spot to write down prayer requests, and you can let us know ways that we can pray for you as a staff. We look at these every week and, and lift up prayers. And so um, Connect Card is very, very important to what we do here and the online option or the in-person. They're all good, okay? Um, Today I'm excited to be back in God's Word with you, but back in the book of Acts. Uh, if you're not familiar, Acts is the story of Jesus' followers uh, just really getting fired up, spreading the good news of Jesus throughout the world and establishing groups of believers that come to be known as churches. That's what the book of Acts is all about. And so last week we asked the question, how do you believe God wants to grow you in 2021? I introduced you to a very important statement for us as a church going forward. And that's this statement right here on the screen. The glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations. You're going to hear that approximately 10 to 12 times today. And you're going to hear that approximately five times every week for the foreseeable future. Um, because I believe this is, um, and it's, it's broad, but we're going to use the next four weeks to describe what is, what is floating around in this statement, okay? So for the next four weeks, as we move through the rest of the book of Acts, we're going to be talking about what this statement looks like in harvest for us here at East this year and in, I think, the years to come. Today, we're going to look at the us part of that statement. What does it look like to see the glory of God in us? Um, Acts chapter 2, Jesus' disciples are trying to figure out what does life look like without Jesus beside us, right? Jesus has been with his disciples day in and day out, and now he has left them on the earth. He's ascended to the Father. And we aren't told this directly in the text, but, I mean, just put yourself in their shoes. I think, we talked about this a little bit last week, I don't think they have a clue, like, what's about to happen? I don't think they have any idea what God has in store for them. I think if you were to ask Peter... The day after Jesus ascends into heaven, ask Peter, hey, Peter, what do you think God's going to do through y'all? I don't think he's going to have any idea. I don't know. I don't think he would have a good idea. What is God going to use you and this bunch to do, this, this ragtag bunch of guys? They seem to have little idea. If they only knew that in a few short days, they would be leading a movement of thousands of people around the world, establishing a church of Christians in Jerusalem that then spreads out beyond that. They didn't know what they didn't know. And I'm going to be straight with you. I resonate with that so much as your pastor. 
have a clue. Like I wrestled with that. I wrestled with, okay, what is God? God, what do you want to do here at East? And I, I prayed and I, I was, I don't know, hoping God would spell it out in my Cheerios. But he didn't, you know. Like I, I just, I know what God's word commands us to do and to be as a church. And I know what I would love to see God use us to do. But at the end of the day, even we as pastors, God doesn't spell out the details for us. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us word for word exactly. I wish I could, t- I wish he did. I wish, I wish I could tell you that God told me this. Okay. Uh, he didn't, but I wish I could tell you. God told me we're going to be a church of 500 by the end of 2022. That, that I wish I could tell you that God told me that we're going to send a church planner out of here to plant a church in Indianapolis, a very unreached area in the United States to go to Indianapolis, plant a church by 2025. I wish I could tell you that God confirmed in my heart that we as a church are going to reach the the Sheik people. If you're not familiar with them, it's one of the probably the largest unreached people group in the world. Um, The the Sheikh people, sorry, I mispronounced it, in Bangladesh. 135 million people in that group with a goose egg under the Christian column. Part of me wishes God would just tell me, God, what do you want us to do? Step by step, lay it out for us. But then I'm reminded, where would be the faith in that? Right? If, I, if we knew exactly what God was going to use the next 10 years of East time, of my time here as your pastor, maybe more than 10, I don't know, 15, 20, 30. I don't know how long I got. Whatever. World's getting crazy. I don't know. All right. But what, I wish I knew, but where would the faith be in that if God spelled everything out for us? And I think the same is true for his apostles. They didn't seem to know what God's plan was, but they still get to witness God do an incredible work through them and in them. And that's what the rest of the book of Acts is about. Today we're going to focus on Acts chapter 2. And by the time we get done with this, you should be blown away by the rapid growth that occurs among this group of people. Um, I'm going to read the first verse. I'm going to read the 41st verse and the 47th verse just to frame. It'll make sense. All right, here we go. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, let me take a second there and just let you know. Um, Pentecost is a, uh, was a Jewish festival. Uh, that's the Greek word for it, but it was the Feast of Weeks. It was seven weeks long, 49 days. On the 50th day, that was Pentecost or the end of the celebration of Feast of Weeks. Um, there you go. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, which was a dozen to a few dozens. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. That's verse 41. Then verse 47 ends this way. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray together and let's come back and talk about it. Father, we do thank you for your word, God. We trust that uh, that this is your word, and God, it's for uh, it was written directly for a particular group of people, but God, it's also for us. And there's truth for us today. We believe that, and we ask you to show it to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So in those verses, what happened between 12 people and thousands? Right? <laughs> multiplication, absolute. Quick, quick multiplication. Like We're fixing that. We're going to talk about this. What happened between 12 and daily life transformation in their neighborhood and among the nations? Like this, this is, if you could bottle that up, 
Churches would pay thousands of dollars to come listen to you tell them how to grow their church in one day to thousands and to see God growing every day, right? This, man, and I, I want to know. And so as I study in, um, over the last couple of weeks, and especially this week, Acts chapter 2, I see three things that I think contributed most to the explosive work of God, and it's not going to blow you away. There's not going to be something where you're going to go, oh, I've never thought about that before. Like, that's not going to happen. I'm going to show you three very basic things. But listen, if we are going to see, truly see the glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations, we need to take notes on Acts chapter 2. And so the first thing I see these early folks needing, three things they needed. The first thing, they needed God's Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse, uh, beginning in verse 1. Um, I'm going to read... Uh, well, let me give you some background. Last week we were in Acts chapter 1. Jesus ascends into heaven with God the Father. After that, his disciples got together and appointed a new apostle to replace Judas, who had betrayed Jesus and out of guilt hung himself. And then they waited together in Jerusalem for the promise that, that Jesus had told them was coming. And then it all begins to happen. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is an incredible moment in the history of the church. This is the indwelling of the Spirit that God had promised. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit to indwell His people. Jesus had made this promise before He ascended into heaven. He said, wait, I'm going to send you something better than even me being beside you. I'm going to, I'm, the Father is going to spend his, send His Spirit to be in you. Now, we're not going to get into this because I need to study some more on this too. But what we see happening here, we see the Spirit of God at work in the Old Testament. Okay, there's some people that say that you don't. This is the first coming of the Spirit. That's not, read the Old Testament. The Spirit of God is at work. Um, But what we're seeing here is something uniquely special that is new for God's people moving forward. Um, And so we don't have time to get into all that. I need to do some more studying for that myself. But what I know what we see is that the Spirit of God is now in us to stay forever. And we don't know exactly fully what other ways this was unique uh, because I wasn't an Old Testament saint, so I don't know what the Spirit, how the Spirit of God was always working. But what we know is that this was a big deal for the apostles because it transforms their ministry. They go from weak, unsure people, right, to just mountain movers. Without God's Spirit inside them, they wouldn't have seen come to pass what they saw come to pass and we definitely 2,000 years later wouldn't be sitting here talking about it this would have been lost to history everything changed for them on the day of Pentecost but listen if you're a believer it should have changed for you too I have all kinds of insecurities and shortcomings in my heart and in my mind I'm just like you Pastoring in 2020 has brought to light in a more obvious way some of my shortcomings and failures, as maybe it has for you too, right? But I'm confident to stand before you and say and admit this, 
I am insufficient to be your pastor. On my own, I can barely lead you to the nearest gas station to find a biscuit and a sun drop without a GPS. Let alone lead you to reach and to see the glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations. I'm insufficient. But with God's Spirit at work in me, God can lead you through me to do that very thing. That's the difference that we're talking about here. If you feel like you don't have anything to bring to this church, you have no real wave to serve God, good. That's exactly where you need to be because you don't. <laughs> However, through God's Spirit, we can. Many of you can testify to this idea that I'm, I, apart from God, am nothing. It is an incredible thing that God empowers us with His Spirit. But church, that's not all you need. I've encountered a lot of, uh, and I don't know why it's a lot of times men. I go and talk to men and I ask them, hey, just somebody I meet, you know, on a random, we start talking and, and introduce myself and I ask them, are you a, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know God. Well, no, that's not what I asked, first off. <laughs> but you can't, believing you have a relationship with God is not all that God has called us to be and it's not enough to be obedient together these early followers needed something else and number two they needed God's word they needed God's word beginning in verse 14 Peter stands up among the 12 and we don't know we know there's at least 3,000 people around okay but we're in Jerusalem we're in the heart of Jerusalem there's people everywhere for the feast of weeks the Pentecost there's people everywhere Peter stands up and begins to proclaim a message and that's so good to know that when Peter is filled with the Spirit, like that's the first thing that he does is he begins to proclaim the good news from God's Word. It doesn't just move him, right? It's all the time we think, we think the Holy Spirit's that little chill up your spine. I'm not saying he's not, but he's more than a chill up your spine. He's more than a Chris Tomlin song. He's more than hands raised. He, he empowers his people to speak truth. And that's what we see Peter do. The Spirit of God illumines the, Peter, the, the mind of Peter to speak the truth of God's word. Peter begins to recall many Old Testament passages that we don't even know if he, he had even thought through how they tied to Jesus. But the Spirit of God helps him recall those things to tie the belief of the Jews, the waiting Messiah, to the truth. He uses Job 2, 28, 32, Psalm 16, 8, and 11, and Psalm 110 to drive home the point that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything y'all been waiting on. He says that after making his case of Joel, Psalm 16, and Psalm 110, God's Word says this in verse 36, Therefore, it's a great way to end a message. <laughs> Therefore, let all the house of Israel, that means all y'all, all you Jews, know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That's me and you. As many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Peter preaches, and 3,000 people respond in one day. That's only happened a couple of times in my ministry. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, let's this little group of people, this little, we'll call them a church, went from dozens to thousands. That's incredible. And in just a short period of time, the book of Acts will tell us that their numbers will be over four or over 5,000. What caused this? Do we know? Yes. We know that a group of people filled with God's Spirit began to preach and live out God's Word. You see, you don't just need God. I got God, that's all I need. No, He gave us His Word too. You need that. However, well, let me, you need his word. God's spirit can enable you to do great things, but he most often does so in light of scripture and definitely not opposed to it. And so if we're going to be the church that sees in our lifetime the glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations, then we need to do the same. We need to be filled with the spirit and live out God's word. Many of the people that, I, again, going back to these people that I've run into in my life, in my ministry and in daily life, some of them will tell you, yeah, I know God. Others will even say, I know God and I read my Bible every day. Right? I, read, I know God and I read my Bible every day. And my next question is always, what church you attend? What church are you a part of? And that's where I get statements that don't make sense, right? I don't need the church. I've got God and I've got his word. I will stand before you and say this and all of the world apparently on Facebook. <laughs> even with God and even with his word, you cannot live an obedient life apart from the church. In the scriptures, not, in, not for me. This early group of disciples had more than just God's spirit and God's word. One of the key ingredients to their explosive growth seems to be, point number three, they needed God's people. They needed each other. Beginning in verse 42 is one of the most beautiful. It's a, it's a recreation story, really. It's a redemption. It's a it's a God carrying back to the garden, essentially, uh, of a relationship. This group of people, listen to this. Listen to me. This group of people were not living busy, separate lifestyles that intersected just on Sundays two to four times a week, depending on whether you overslept or not. Right? Like this was more. Their relationships, their lives were interconnected with one another. I want to read these verses to you and just listen for all the listen for the alls and the everys and the all that that communal language, the together language. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, 
to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many signs and wonders were being performed through the apostles. All the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possession and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. As I was reading through that, did you notice what all they shared? They shared the word. They shared time. They shared food. They shared prayers, money, possessions, and they shared time in their own homes. And after all this discussion about togetherness, what is the last thing that is said? Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. See, a good church that has a great Sunday morning experience doesn't see every day the Lord is adding to their numbers. Only a church that comes together and worships but lives life together through the week will see every day the Lord is adding to their numbers. We need each other. The scary thing is that this mentality is not a natural tendency of yours or mine. Look at the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. Genesis 3. They eat the fruit and they immediately begin to doubt whether they can trust God. God begins to talk to them, begins to speak. He calls out their sin and what do they do? They point fingers at each other. Showing that there is not that not only is there a lack of trust now between us and God, now there's a lack of trust between each other. Between a man and a woman who were created to be together. To live in even a semi-transparent way with other people goes totally against your sin nature. But it's the very thing that God has said He will bless and will use. To see the glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations. On top of a natural draw away from this idea, we are also Americans. I don't know if you've talked to people from other countries, but Americans are kind of known as arrogant. And not needing other people. In fact, we built our whole country on independence, right? <laughs> I'm saying it's a bad thing. But like, we, we don't think, we don't, to, as an American, it, I, I don't, I'm, I'm just sharing you what I feel like has been ingrained in me is that it's weak to, to need. It's a weak, it's weakness to need other people. But that's not what we see in Scripture. We don't like to think about our need for other people, but God's word says we do. And on top of a natural draw away from this and sin and the fact that we are Americans, we're in the midst of a crazy pandemic where you're not supposed to be talking to anybody. Like don't be in it, don't be near anybody. Right? And that 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 pushes against this idea. And on top of all that, natural sin and the American way and COVID nineteen, we're in a political battle where you don't know who you can trust. Both sides are saying, don't trust anybody. Okay. <laughs> so how, how I add all that together. How in the world are we as the church supposed to love each other when we can't trust each other? 
How can we be the church that God has called us to with all that stacked against us? How are we going to see the glory of God in us, our neighbors and the nations? Because the first two things are true. God's spirit is in you. And God's word is before you declaring to you that this is good. Yes, it's hard and it's awkward and nobody wants to do it, but it's good. If you don't have deep and lasting relationships in this church family, I don't know what God laid on your heart last week to work on for 2021, but I want to pull a pastoral trump card and just say, that's what you need. Maybe you walked away from last week's sermon with, I need Bible study and I need prayer. Good, work on those things. (laughs) But let me add one to your list. You need deep and lasting relationships with people here. You do. You need them. They're not just good for you. They're good for all of us. The only way we're going to see the glory of God in us, our neighbors and the nations, is if we have deep and lasting relationships here. I'm going to share some opportunities through our groups here after kind of we have a time of response, and that'll be what the blocks are for. If you're a type A person and it's been killing you, not knowing what they're for, it's coming. Just build an anticipation. It's a speaking technique, all right? We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But let me ask you, have you grasped what we just talked about? If we as a church are going to see the vision that I feel like God's laid before us to see the glory of God in us, our neighbors and the nations, then we need to be together. We need to recognize our need for God's spirit, for God's word, and for God's people. So let me ask three questions. Well, probably a whole bunch more, but three main ones. First off, are you filled with God's Spirit? For those of you who have trusted in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are. Okay? God's Spirit is in you and wants to work through you. If you have not yet believed, let me tell you, you can, baby. Just as Peter told these folks that were gathered together, repent and be baptized. Baptism represents faith and belief in Jesus. Repent is a, is, a, is a Bible word that means to turn from your sin and turn to God. We would love to talk with you about how you can do this very thing that Kate just testified before you has happened in her heart. We would love to walk through that. During this last song, I'm going to be right down here. And we, as always, we have counselors by the back door. If you prefer to go back and then come forward, come talk to us and let us know that you're struggling with that. We want to help you answer that question and leave here filled with God's spirit. Question two, do you treasure God's word? Are you treasuring it? God has given us the Bible so that we can know him more and we can move forward together on this path that he has for us. And if we are not treasuring it, then we may very well not see that vision come to fruition in my lifetime or in yours. If you're looking for something to read, there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. There's 31 days in January. See that? Gives you three days to sleep in and and accidentally forget. Okay, gives you three off days. Okay, and we're already on day 10. So if you're looking for something to study, jump in on Acts 10 and roll. Okay, jump in, read that. 
tomorrow read chapter 11 and so on. Let's get to a place where we all treasure God's word. Lastly, are you engaging deeply with God's people? Are there people here that know you? And not the superficial, happy, clappy you. I'm talking about the real you, your struggles, the things that you're going through. If not, that's okay for today. But a great first step is for you to get in a group. That's why we do them. You need us and we need you. For us to see the glory of God in us, our neighbors and the nations, we're going to have to get close and we're going to have to get real with each other. You need people around you that can speak into your life and pray for you when you need it. You need, you need a group of people that you can study God's word with and help you apply the text to your circumstances. But more than anything, you need friends who have their eyes fixed on the same destination you do. We need God's spirit. We need God's word. But boy, do we need God's people. We're going to sing one more song. This is a, a way to respond to the message of God's word today. If God has pricked your heart on any of the things that we've discussed today, um, I'm going to be down front to talk with you. Uh, you can just come up and just talk to me for a second, or we can go and find somewhere more quiet where we can discuss, or you can go back and talk to our decision counselors at the back um, if you prefer to go back instead of coming forward. But you need to take next steps for whatever God has laid on your heart. I'm going to voice a prayer. We're going to stand and respond and worship through song. Um, and you can come to this altar and you can pray uh, for yourself or for others, or you can talk with me or a counselor. Um, and then um, after this time of response, I'll share with you some about our groups and what we're working on, okay? So let's pray together, and then we'll respond. Father, uh, we thank you, God, uh, that your word is true and that you haven't left us, God, uh, without you, your spirit. God, you haven't left us without your word, and God, you haven't left us without your people. And... Um, God, after 33 years of life myself, God, I know that you've got a lot more to do in my life, and I know you're going to use your spirit, your word, and your people to do it. God, I'm just crazy enough to think that, to believe that you want to do something through us as a church. And you're only going to do it, more than likely. You can do it in spite of us, but God, you're probably going to do it when we focus ourselves on the spirit, the word, and your people. God, be with this time of response. God, however you need to move in our hearts to, to break us to where you need us to go, to redirect our attention, our focus, I pray that you do it. God, I pray that those who need to respond and put feet behind an action today, I pray that they would. We lay all this at your feet and ask you to move in Jesus' name.